Section 21 of History of Henry IV, King of France and Navarre by John Stevens Cabot Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8 The League, Part 2. Henry III, having no moral principles to guide him in anything, and having no generous affections of any kind, in carrying out his plan of wielding the energies of the League without any scruples of conscience, issued the infamous edict of namur in fifteen eighty five which commanded every protestant minister to leave the kingdom within one month and every member of the reformed faith either to abjure his religion and accept the catholic faith or to depart from france within six months the penalty for disobedience in either of these cases was death and the confiscation of property this edict was executed with great rigour and many were burned at the stake henry of navarre was amazed and for a time overwhelmed in receiving the news of this atrocious decree he clearly foresaw that it must arouse france and all europe to war and that a new iliad of woes was to commence leaning his chin upon his hand he was for a long time lost in profound reverie as he pondered the awful theme it is said that his anguish was so intense that when he removed his hand his beard and moustache on that side were turned entirely grey. But Henry rose with the emergence, and met the crisis with a degree of energy and magnanimity which elicited in those barbarous times the admiration even of his enemies. The Protestants heroically grasped their arms and rallied together for mutual protection. War, with all its horrors, was immediately resumed. Affairs were in this condition when Francis the duke of anjou was taken sick and suddenly died this removed another obstruction from the field intended to hasten the crisis henry the third was feeble exhausted and childless worn out by shameless dissipation it was evident to all that he must soon sink into his grave who was to be his successor this was the question above all others which agitated france and europe henry of navarre was beyond all question legitimately entitled to the throne but he was in the estimation of france a heretic the league consequently in view of the impending peril of having a protestant king redoubled its energies to exclude him and to enthrone their bigoted partisan henry of guise it was a terrific struggle the protestants saw suspended upon its issue their property their religious liberty their lives their earthly all the Catholics were stimulated by all the energies of fanaticism in defense of the Church. All Catholic Europe espoused the one side, all Protestant Europe the other. One single word was enough to arrest all these woes. That word was toleration. When Henry III published his famous Edict of Nemours, commanding the conversion, the expulsion, or the death of the Protestants, Henry of Navarre issued another edict, replying to the calumnies of the League and explaining his actions and his motives then adopting a step characteristic of the chivalry of the times he dispatched a challenge to the duke of guise defying him to single combat or if he objected to that a combat of two with two ten with ten or a hundred with a hundred in this challenge said henry i call heaven to witness that i am not influenced by any spirit of bravado but only by the desire of deciding a quarrel which will otherwise cost the lives of thousands 
to this appeal the duke made no reply it was by no means for his interest to meet on equal terms those whom he could easily outnumber two or three to one though the situation of henry of navarre seemed now almost desperate he maintained his courage and his hope unshaken his estates were unhesitatingly sold to raise funds his friends parted with their jewels for gold to obtain the means to carry on the war but with his utmost efforts he could raise an army of but four or five thousand men to resist two armies of twenty thousand each headed by the duke of guise and by his brother the duke of mayenne fortunately for henry there was but little military capacity in the league and notwithstanding their vast superiority in numbers they were continually circumvented in all their plans by the energy and valour of the protestants the king of france was secretly rejoiced at the discomfiture of the leaguers yet expressing dissatisfaction with the duke of guise he entrusted the command of the armies to one of his petted favourites joyeuse a rash and fearless youth who was as prompt to revel in the carnage of the battlefield as in the voluptuousness of the palace the king knew not whether to choose victory or defeat for his favourite victory would increase the influence and the renown of one strongly attached to him and would thus enable him more successfully to resist the encroachments of the duke of guise defeat would weaken the overbearing power of the leaguers and enable henry the third more securely to retain his position by the balance of the two rival parties joyeuse ardent and inexperienced and despising the feeble band he was to encounter was eager to display his prowess he pressed eagerly to assail the king of navarre the two armies met upon a battlefield a few leagues from bordeaux the army of joyeuse was chiefly of gay and effeminate courtiers and young nobles who had too much pride to lack courage but who possessed but little physical vigour and who were quite unused to the hardships and the vicissitudes of war on the morning of the twentieth of october fifteen eighty nine as the sun rose over the hills of perigord the two armies were facing each other upon the plains of coutras the leaguers were decked with unusual splendour and presented a glittering array with gorgeous banners and waving plumes and uniforms of satin and velvet embroidered by the hands of the ladies of the court they numbered twelve thousand men henry of navarre with admirable military skill had posted his six thousand hardy peasants dressed in tattered skins to meet the onset and now occurred one of the most extraordinary scenes which history has recorded it was a source of constant grief to the devout protestant leaders that henry of navarre notwithstanding his many noble traits of character was not a man of pure morality just before the battle du plessis a christian and a hero approached the king of navarre and said sire it is known to all that you have sinned against god and injured a respectable citizen of rochelle by the seduction of his daughter we cannot hope that god will bless our arms in this approaching battle while such a sin remains unrepented of and unrepaired the king dismounted from his horse and uncovering his head avowed in the presence of the whole army his sincere grief for what he had done he called all to witness that he thus publicly implored forgiveness of god and of the family he had injured and he pledged his word that he would do everything in his power to repair the wrong the troops were then called to prayers by the ministers 
every man in the ranks fell upon his knees while one of the clergy implored god to forgive the sin of their chieftain and to grant them protection and victory the strange movement was seen from the catholic camp my death exclaimed joyeuse the poltroons are frightened look they kneel imploring our mercy do not deceive yourself replied an old captain when the huguenots get into that position they are ready for hard fighting the brilliant battalions of the enemy now began to deploy some one spoke of the splendour of their arms henry smiled and replied we shall have the better aim when the fight begins another ventured to intimate that the ministers had rebuked him with needless severity he replied we cannot be too humble before god nor too brave before men then turning to his followers with tears in his eyes he addressed to them a short and noble speech he deplored the calamities of war and solemnly declared that he had drawn arms only in self-defence let them said he perish who are the authors of this war may the blood shed this day rest upon them alone to his two prominent generals the prince of conde and the count de soissons he remarked with a smile to you i shall say nothing but that you are of the house of bourbon and please god i will show you this day that i am your elder End of section twenty one